Welcome to Aetherius Radio Live, the Hour of Truth with Richard Lawrence and Christy Blaze. Aetherius Radio Live, brought to you on Body, Mind, Spirit Radio on every third Tuesday of the month. Discover the cosmic message for this age revealed through legendary master of yoga and world-renowned medium, Dr. George King, between 1954 and 1997. Now, we are in indeed in for a very good Great treat today, your hosts, Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze, will be presenting yet another truly insightful A Serious Radio Live show. Wait for it. Terrestrial Initiation and Cosmic Hierarchy. Terrestrial Initiation and Cosmic Hierarchy. So, without further ado, I hand you over to Richard and Chrissy. Thank you, Nikki. Hello, Richard. Thank you, Nikki. Hi, Chrissy. Hello. Yes, the title today is quite a mouthful, isn't it? But um, this show came about because um, questions were sent in by listeners, and Darren collects all these questions, and he presented some to us today that are quite relevant to what we're going to be talking about today. So, Richard, I think it's a good idea, isn't it, to start if I read the questions we've received. They're questions that have come in to our website and to our radio shows and from inquirers, mainly new people, and they're very good questions, I think. So, yeah, please do read them out, Chrissy. Okay, thank you. The first one, when I saw photos of the Orthodox church-like garb worn at your ceremonies, I was confused. Could you tell me more about the particular ceremonial aesthetic adopted by the society? It may be a dumb hurdle, but it's a hurdle for me that I'd love to have cleared up as I go further in getting to know the society. Now, I just want to stress that we're not answering each each question as it goes along, but we hopefully will cover all the answers in the show. So that's the first question. Great question. I know many people have a question similar to that. Secondly, I recently discovered the Society and Dr. King. I'm very interested and have been reading The Nine Freedoms and will attend the next 12 Blessings event. I was surprised to read in Dr. King's biography that you have bishops in the Society. I would be grateful to hear more about the hierarchy and the reason for it. Thirdly, I attended one of your online services and found the mix of Eastern practices and Western traditions slightly jarring at first. It's just not something I'm used to. Another question. What do all the different colored robes mean that the congregation was wearing? I was surprised to see a cross in your temple. Isn't that a Christian symbol? Are you related to the Christian church in some way? And lastly, I wasn't expecting people to be wearing suits and ties. I thought it would be more like a yoga venue. Other places I've been to seem much more relaxed and informal. So they're the questions we have, and hopefully we will, as I say, answer them today in the show. But I, I'd like to begin. I think, you know, Christy, I think I'd, I'd yeah. just, sorry, just, just to chime in there, those six questions, I think they're the kind of questions I'd probably ask if I first came across the society now. And so, yeah, let, let's try and do justice to some of those, if not actually Absolutely. all of those. 
Absolutely. And it's great that people actually ask the questions. They're interested enough to ask. That's fantastic. And we do welcome Indeed. questions like this that we can answer in our shows. So I'd just like to say a few words about the first part of the show. That's initiation. And as we know, to initiate means to begin something. And on a deeper mystical level, it's like a rite of passage undertaken often by a master or a spiritually advanced person through which the student or the disciple comes closer to the inner heart of the mystic order of which he or she is a part and also closer to the God within. The ritual of initiation enables the student to go through a process of change whereby power is transferred to him or her by the spiritual master. It's like a, a death of an old way of being and the rebirth of a new state or a higher level of consciousness. And often in mystic orders um, and some religious sects, initiations and the certainly are offered to the more dedicated students. And it implies that the student or the disciple agrees to accept certain disciplines or responsibilities along with this initiation. And this has happened throughout antiquity. It's a key part of Judaism, uh, Sufism, a certain aspect of Buddhism, uh, yoga, uh, Rosicrucianism too, and especially the Assyrian society. Um, is there anything you'd like to add to that, Richard, before I go into some of the initiations available in the Assyrian society? Yes, sure. Um, I, I, absolutely. Very interesting. And I think um, it's also seen initiations as a rise in consciousness. But the one thing I'd just sort of add to that, especially nowadays, is that it's a precursor to service. So it, it, it's earned mainly through service, in our case. And as a result of it, people are able to serve even more. So with us, it's all tied in to service to others. Very interesting point. So in the Assyria Society, they, these initiations take the form of sacred ceremonies, and they're available to full members of the Assyria Society. And a member can, through their dedicated attendance, their work, their um, support over three years, qualify for what are called certificates of merit, and then to take an examination as entry into the mystic temple order of the Assyria Society. Um, this section of membership is called member initiates. And it was the master of Assyria who first um, outlined this scheme in 1966. So also members can also apply to become what's known as a staff team member. And this position requires uh, a lot of further time and dedication. In fact, all of the spare time, more or less, apart from some you know, regular time off, is given to the Assyrian society. This staff initiation then opens them up for other initiations in the future, such as being ordained as a minister or a priest in the Assyrian church, or even later consecrated as one of the very few bishops of this church, um, of which Richard, of course, is senior bishop. There is also another level of initiations whereby a suitable staff member can participate in the cosmic missions of the Assyrian Society. Now, there is one cosmic mission, Operation Prayer Power, which all members can participate in. But the others are open to staff members um, after being 
initiated into this, what's called the Special Missions Task Force. And these initi initiates can then operate the spiritual energy radiators. We have five in the world in Operation Space Power, uh, helping with Operation Prep, our discharges, etc. And then there's also a tactical team of this task force who participates um, in the field on missions like the Saturn mission and Operation Sunbeam. I think I've covered them all. I, oh, the only point I was going to make is that there, are, on occasions, uh, there are non-staff who become ministers. Um, right. And they okay. are people, exceptional people, who are on the staff, uh, sorry, not on the staff, but they have worked for years and years uh, running a group, and uh, they can then, they're all member initiates, uh, and you described how you become a member initiate earlier, and they can then, in certain cases, become a minister. But the priesthood and the bishoprics are all staff. So that's just one sort of technical point I'd throw into the mix. Yes, very good point. Yes, thank you. We, we covered an in-depth exploration last year on Aetherius Radio Live, um, and I believe it was in three parts, of a transmission delivered called the Five Temples of God. And that was delivered on August the 26th, 1967 by the Master Etherius and it gave us our um, task for the next 1,000 years. Uh, now that task has been changed by Dr. King himself with the permission of the Master Etherius uh, and other cosmic masters since then. So with the, uh, this particular transmission, which I was just mentioning, the five temples of God by the Master Etherius, he made this very interesting statement. He said, your most advanced members will be initiated and will be those from whom the future controllers of the Etherius Society must be chosen. And commenting in his commentary in the five temples of God, Dr. King made this statement. We must remember the karmic law. Only those who deserve to be put in the positions of trust can ever be placed there. There is far too much at stake to be otherwise. So certainly in terms of the Ethereum Society, and this is a kind of a background to the many questions that Chrissy read out at the beginning of the show so people can see where we're coming from, and we can get more specific, and we will do, but it's the concept there of earning certain initiations and in, you know, in an ideal world, this would be based on advancement, and, and it is to a degree. But in our particular case in the Ethereum Society, we do not have um, a whole range of adepts, yoga adepts, that is, enlightened souls who have entered Samadhi, for example, to choose from, which is a shame, because given the caliber of our missions and our teachings, uh, it would be very fitting if we did, and I, I believe that at some time in the future we will. But right now we don't. So it has to be based on those who are most suitable, and this has to be earned through experience. And now that doesn't mean that all the experienced people will become controllers of the Ethereum Society. It's a combination of that and people who are suitable, as far as we can judge it, for the positions they hold. Um, but a key element of that is the initiations, which Chrissy enumerated at the beginning of the show, the various initiations that we have, the member initiate scheme, the staff scheme, the ordinations, consecrations, and the task force team. And it's from those that people are picked 
And the whole concept, as I said earlier, is about earning as far as any of us can earn. I don't think any of those, any of us deserve fully the positions of trust we've been given. I know I've been secretary, for example, here for over 40 years. And it's still work in progress. Uh, but as Dr. King says, there is an element of that, that those who deserve have to be placed there. And that's really what initiations are all about. Um, just to give an example, in the day, in, in certainly t the Tibetan uh, culture, it was believed that when picking a teacher, you are not looking for the person who is the best orator, the best communicator, as for example you might you'd find in a commercial organisation uh, nowadays. You are looking for the person who has demonstrated the lesson they are teaching. They will be able, said the Tibetans, the mystical Tibetans anyway, to convey the essence of that teaching to their student. Obviously, if you're a good speaker, orator, that's all the better. Better communicator, the better. But the main thing is that you are at a certain level yourself to pass on that particular teaching. Now, that's in the case of teaching. But it, the same principle applies in all the areas. And so as I come back to it, initiation, and Chrissy described a lot about it earlier, and it applies right across the board in ancient Greek uh, traditions as well, very much so. But it's really about a rise in consciousness. When a student or when the, um, the, the candidate is ready for it, and then it places them in a much better position to go out and use that initiation in service. And I do want to stress that in service. Thank you very much for clarifying that. I just wanted to say that many of the questions, as you remember, at the beginning of the show were focused on the church. So I wondered if we might talk more about that, because many new people ask about the church, because, as you know, especially true in England, I believe, that people are leaving the church in droves. So they, they come along to us and mm -hmm. people are wearing robes and it's like, well, what's going on? And you, as a senior bishop and only one of two in the world consecrated by our master, that's our master's wife, Lady Monique, and yourself, you're certainly in the best position to answer the many questions that we have from you people. So this is a great opportunity. And as, as remember, the first question where the, uh, the person said that it was a big hurdle to him. Or her. It might be him or it might her, be a her, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I completely understand that. And I'd like to make one thing clear, because the very first synod that existed in, in the Ethereum Society and in what we now call the Ethereum Churches, which is not the whole of the society, it's one aspect of the society. It's the ecclesiastical aspect of the society. Um, but I can say this, that the decision to go in that direction in the early 1980s was made entirely by Dr. George King. This was not something that he uh, discussed whether or not we should do it even. We, even with his most closest advisors, of which I was one of those, um, and, and his wife was another, as you rightly say, he didn't ask us whether we felt it was a good idea. He absolutely knew it was something that had to be done. And so I, and then, of course, he discussed with us and others how we should do it and how we should create this. And the most important in, uh, being, by far, that he, he uh, discussed, if that's the word this matter with, was the Lord Babaji, uh, who fully approved, the, approved it. So as to the question of why, 
Um, I can only throw up my thoughts on that, Chrissy. So let me first of all say mm -hmm. that, of course, what we are engaged in in our services, I think you could rightly say is closer to a Christian service than it is possibly to any other. But it's not. And another of the questioners rightly found and uh, commented that we are very close we have a mix of Eastern practices and Western traditions, which is not something they were used to. They found a little difficult at first. I'd like to say that right from the very beginning, and I'm going back now to 1955, when Dr. King devised the symbol for the Aetherius Society, and he did it in a deep meditation which lasted 65 hours, in a place called St. Moore's in Cornwall. You can go there. I've certainly been there. It's a bit of a pilgrimage to go to the place where he had that 65-hour meditation and came up with the symbol. But the, point, the main point here is that it was a combination of an ancient, the most sacred ancient Eastern symbol and a Western symbol, the triangle, uh, meaning wisdom. So you have a combination of what is referred to as the holy, the sacred word in Sanskrit, uh, had to combined with the Western symbol for wisdom. So right from the beginning, he knew that it was his destiny, his task to bring a combination of the East and the West. And our services do that. We use mantra a lot. We use other things, kind of the yoga, mudras. And the way that we pray, as taught by Dr. King, is yoga-based method of prayer. Uh, we, we refer to chakras, we refer to things from Eastern tradition. But having said that, the main practice that we use for prayer is called the 12 blessings. Everyone knows that. That was delivered by the Master Jesus. So it's very fitting uh, that we would go down, or rather, I would like to say use, use that tradition, as it were, uh, for ceremonial and ecclesiastical purposes. Now, the question would then arise, was Dr. King uh, qualified, I wouldn't raise this question, but some might, to do that? You know, what right did he have to suddenly declare himself an archbishop and suddenly use the, um, some of the accoutrements uh, of, of the ecclesiastical tradition? I actually believe that what he did was to transmute, if you like, or raise the orthodox, because we are not orthodox, and he's always made that clear. Uh, we are far from orthodox, we are mystical. Um, but he used those things, even down to the garments, in a very mystical way, or to use another word, an occult way. He understood the purpose behind them, which others mystics had studied before. In fact, he said, just to name one item, the stole worn by a bishop, he believed went back to ancient China. He thought it date, predated the Christian tradition by thousands of years. Uh, another thing that's been raised in these questions, the cross, is a very, very ancient symbol, way before Christianity, and it's a powerful symbol. It's a symbol, uh, as used by the Master Jesus, of resurrection. But it's an extremely powerful blessing um, and potent radiator of spiritual energy and light. Used and Interestingly enough, Chrissy, actually, I was preparing something for a radio, another radio station in the UK to do with uh, life on other planets. And I was looking at some NASA photographs of Mars 
And there's lots of interesting NASA photographs of Mars showing pyramids, showing uh, through infrared cameras, cities beneath the surface and all kinds of things. But one of them was a beautiful cross built really? from stone on the surface of Mars. And you, you can actually find it. It's a NASA wow. photograph. So, you know, who knows? It, it, it's a symbol that no doubt exists there too, or has done in the past. Anyway, wow. I digress. He, he was most qualified because he had received transmissions, uh, both from the Master Jesus, especially the Master Jesus, but also from St. Peter too. He'd had several uh, transmissions from St. Peter. Now, those things alone, if you're completely overshadowed, directly overshadowed by those, either of those great intelligences, both of whom are cosmic intelligences, which would obviously be regarded probably as heretical by some in the Orthodox Church, that statement, um, you would obviously be qualified to, as Dr. King put it, declare yourself a bishop straight away. If you chose to, he didn't choose to. Uh, he was very traditional. He did go through a particular ceremony in New York with a liberal Catholic bishop. But before he did so, he checked with the Lord Babaji to ensure uh, that this was a, a, a the appropriate thing to do and he and he was it was confirmed that it was and more importantly by far during the ceremony the Lord Babaji also extended his powers to that particular consecration of himself as a bishop and then he of course later declared himself an archbishop which is a degree of bishopric by the way just as you know um, becoming for example in the ordinary church you might become a dean or a canon uh, those are just different degrees of the priesthood um, so or an archdeacon is a degree of the priesthood actually in in certain churches but in our in our case he, he then had the right to declare himself as an archbishop because he was a bishop but the main thing and it was confirmed but afterwards again many some years later by the lord babaji that that consecration uh, was legitimate and he he did become a bishop and he as i said earlier could have declared himself as such as soon as he received these uh, transmissions from St. Peter and the Master Jesus. So it was then a question of how to pass on these powers, these successions, and he chose to use the ecclesiastical structure, actually as it should be used, um, to do that. And it was a choice that he made. Um, and so that is why we do it. In a way, I think it's using it as it should be used, because the Orthodox Church has been corrupted in certain respects. And he, in a way, having that direct contact, purified it and, and raised it to a, to a much higher level. I mean, you can walk into one of our temples, I believe, and you'll feel in there, if you're sensitive and you tune in a greater power, than you will feel in certain cathedrals uh, of great antiquity and, and history uh, because of the energies partly coming from the cross, which has contains holy stones on it, but partly because of the apostolic successions conveyed through the ecclesiastical structure, through the bishops, through the priests, through the ministers to different degrees, and in service... To, to the not in terms of an initiation, but generated as power to the congregation and beyond and out to the world.
that would be my best description of it, I think, Chrissy. Yeah, that's, that's great, Richard. Thank you very much. Um, people know the, the Catholic Church has apostolic succession. Every bishop has been consecrated by a person, by another person, right the way back to the original apostles. But, of course, this apostolic succession, as you're explaining, Richard, is very, very direct with the Master Jesus, St. Peter, and other cosmic masters. Um, so very, indeed. very powerful, indeed. Indeed. And, of course, in the Catholic Church, the apostle in question is St. Peter. And hence it goes back to the Pope, and the Pope is regarded as St. Peter, which uh, I don't believe to be completely correct because he's not St. Peter, but he is meant to be carrying that lineage and, the, and that succession. And the succession is an important principle which doesn't only exist in the Christian tradition at all, far from it. I mean, it's very much a part of the yogic tradition. One can think of yogic initiations uh, which are passed down again through the generations and it's a kind of a succession. I mean, one fairly recent one, uh, which is quite well known in yoga circles, is that of Yogananda, Paramansa Yogananda, who traces his lineage back through his master, Sri Yukteswar, through his master, Lahiri Mahasaya, and back to the Lord Babaji, um, who directly uh, initiated Lahiri Mahasaya and gave him various powers, one of which um, there's an interesting story about, but we might come on to that later. But the point I'm making is you find this in various traditions. I believe the Sankara, I'm not an expert on this, but I believe in the Sankacharya tradition, there are four Sankaracharyas, all of whom trace their lineage back through, they may not use the word successions, but through generations of, of and again, they may not use this word, but initiators uh, back to the source, which would be Sankaracharya. Um, and they, and th th I believe there's one for the east, one for the west, one for the north, and one for the south. And that tradition continues. And you'll find it in many other yogis. And the power is passed down, the lineage is passed down through the various masters back to the original source. And in the case of Yogananda, of course, although he revered his own master very much, he did his dream was to be at the feet of the Lord Babaji, which is where his successions originated from. Thank you, Richard. I think before we have a break, if it's okay with you, we should cover the couple of questions we haven't really covered yet. And one is, um, what do all the different colored robes mean? And secondly, yes. uh, the, the gentleman or the lady who uh, wrote the question asked about the suits and ties. Uh, yes. That she saw at the services. So um, would you like to answer those, Richard? Or? Well, shall we, that's a good, perhaps a good thing to start part two with, Chrissy, maybe, then. And uh, we okay. could go to the break and then come in with that. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much, Richard and Chrissy. Revelation after revelation keep coming. And, uh, wow, so many answers to so many questions. You are listening to a serious radio live with hosts Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze discussing terrestrial in initiation and cosmic hierarchy. Wednesday, September 29th at 7 p.m. UK time, sees another King Yoga event, and this is titled Spiritual Aliens, What Are They Really Like? And this is being presented by Darren Ball, and this will be a live-streamed event only, and again, for more details, please visit Asirius.org. 
Now at 12 midnight GMT, October 9th, sadly we see the, the last hour of the third spiritual course for 2021 when we will honour the giant spacecraft we know as a third satellite with leaves orbit of Earth having flooded our world with much needed spiritual energy since September the 3rd. The special service to mark the last hour of this third spiritual push will be live streamed from the Aetherius Temple in London and will be conducted by Richard Rice. So that's it for now, and I'm very pleased to hand you back to your hosts. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you, Nikki. Yes, indeed. Uh, so, so the coloured robes, Chrissy. So we have various coloured robes, yes, and indeed people will see these on when they attend the meetings or perhaps on a video they might see them. And they do denote various things. And it was part of the member initiate scheme, which was approved, by the way, by the Master Ethereus, absolutely and specifically. Um, and he, he gave a transmission in, or part of a transmission uh, in which he did, approve that uh, in detail exactly how we went about it so um, the the robes are dark green and then light green and then the next stage up is uh, the cream robe in in terms of initiation and the robe above that is the yellow and then the highest one is the orange and we have a number of people with all these robes we also have a number of people who either don't have robes or don't choose to want to be part of that scheme and there's no requirement whatsoever on anyone uh, who wants to support or be even be a member of the Ethereum Society to take part in that member initiate structure. It's a personal choice entirely and so you, that's a choice people make. So when you see a congregation, you'll see a mixture of people who have various robes, people who don't, uh, who are still members and people who are members of the public who don't and that's why it is and in terms of suits and ties um, we do follow really a tradition started there by Dr King um, w which was just being smart making an effort um, and, and giving our respect really to um, the, the the purpose that we're engaged in um, it, it's if we were in a different tradition we might put on a certain type of um, formal robing or of some other kind without a suit and tie it would all depend but in our case it's a it's a sign of respect to God really that we are now engaged in something that is worthy of us making a proper and appropriate effort but it's not a, a requirement uh, people can come to our services and they do not wearing suits or ties um, it, it's just something that a lot of people choose to do, following a tradition really started by Dr. King himself, as all these traditions were. I think it would be worth just uh, broadening it out um, a little bit beyond this and, and talking about our sort of general reasons, uh, because one of the questioners asked about why it is that we have a hierarchy and a reason for this hierarchy. I just want to be clear, you know, hierarchy is very unpopular on Earth, I think, and probably for very good reason. And the very good reason for that is it has been abused, particularly in politics and various kingdoms and nations of various kinds, in the sense that you've got the wrong people in it. 
This is again comes back to the point of, of why we have an initiation-based structure, and we're going to go on to explain that that isn't unique to the Aetherius Society by any means at all. We've said there are lots of other traditions like that, but also the Ascended Masters themselves. I mean, Ascension is itself an initiation. It's the highest initiation on Earth, and they've all been through it uh, in order to become members of the spiritual hierarchy of Earth. Um, and it's a hierarchy which is based on wisdom. And I'd like to just give you a quote now, which I think is a fantastic, very short, very good quote from the book, You Are Responsible. And these are the words of Dr. George King in chapter three. And just a few words, and they are these. The only true democracy is wisdom. And that's, I think, a very revealing thing because... On the other planets in this solar system, they have a hierarchy, but it's a hierarchy that they want. They don't necessarily, they don't have a voting system for what we call interplanetary parliament, which is the governing tribunal, if you like, or confederation of, of intelligences, uh, because they all want that. They want them to be appointed by the most advanced masters in this uh, solar system who are the perfects of Saturn, as we have mentioned in, in previous shows. And they want that. So it's, it's not imposed upon them. It's done because they recognize that those masters um, are, are more capable of choosing their representatives, and they choose them centuries before they're born upon their planet, by the way, um, and as Mars Sector 6 put it in his transmission, Interplanetary Parliament, which is published in a book called Life on the Planets, he says, a system of voting is unnecessary because we all realize that the wisdom of the perfects far surpasses our puny knowledge. This is far removed from our world. I mean, on our world, democracy is a good thing. Um, it's necessary because people don't have the wisdom to want to defer to those who are even wiser than them. They don't really even know who are wiser than them on the whole, I, I would suggest. And so we have the system. But I think a lot of people would say democracy isn't really perfect uh, because how, why should, for example, um, a really devoted nurse or a sister in a hospital have the same say in government as a, a drug dealer. So that's an argument we won't enter on Aetherius Radio Live. It's not our remit. But in the Aetherius Society, we are, we're based on that principle. The only problem we have, as I said earlier, is that we don't have a whole raft of wise adepts to choose from. So our choices are based on those who have undergone these various initiations, number one, and number two, who are regarded by those who are running the society in various bodies. We have three bodies, the international directors, the synod, uh, and the senior engineering officers, that's the all-important mission aspect, uh, they are the people who those bodies determine are most suitable from those who have undergone the necessary initiations. But, but just to close this point, what I would say is that the Aetherius Society is a very advanced organization. 
Now, that doesn't mean to say it's too advanced for anyone to join. Anyone can join. And we, we, you know, we have people from all walks of life, some highly educated, some not very well educated. That doesn't matter. It, we're, we're absolutely open that the ones who aren't so educated might be more perceptive and are more perceptive, I would suggest, than some people outside of the Ethereum Society who are educated, very highly educated. So it, it's, it's not a measure, but it, it's, it's, a, it's quite a a varied group of people so anyone can we try and make it accessible and the cosmic masters and dr king go out of their way to make the teachings understandable to everyone and there are aspects of our work which aren't particularly advanced such as our healing work it's great work it's not particularly advanced this technique i would say is second to none but it's a thing done by many organizations we do prayer we happen to do it in a very powerful manner uh, but praying uh, again is very universal but there are aspects of our work which are extremely advanced especially those related to the cosmic missions and that impacts upon the whole organization and that's why our model really is the spiritual hierarchy and the cosmic hierarchy and and there is a cosmic hierarchy you've only got to read the 12 blessings to see a hierarchy it's very clear and that's our model that we try to follow uh, given the limitations and given as I read earlier the statement by Dr. King we must remember the karmic law only those who deserve to be put in the positions of trust can ever be placed there there is far too much stake to be otherwise and I think a sorting does take place as, as the master of theorists once called it a weeding and a molding and you know we all have the chance to earn these positions it's, it's something we can do you can't be given anything you're not ready for but it's work in progress and uh, that sorting does take place and we do end up with the position people in positions for all our faults of which are many um, who are appointed to them and have been through this structure as it were of initiation based on the cosmic model well thank you for sharing that uh, cosmic hierarchy which is a, it's a very beautiful thing and it's interesting Richard that um, I was looking at hierarchy through history a little bit and um, mm -hmm. it's interesting that the, the cosmic hierarchy this hierarchy in the past in the Middle Ages and so on was more of a reflection of the cosmic hierarchy certainly a dim reflection yes but more of a reflection than we have what we have on earth today for example um, the Greeks of course we always go back to the ancient Greeks they understood that the entire universe is a hierarchical order which brought harmony the opposite of the chaotic conditions we have on earth now and they regarded it as very beautiful and because cosmos actually means beautiful in the most ancient definition and that the cosmos was organized by these laws of beauty and, and hierarchy and in fact one Greek philosopher of the fifth century uh, Dion Dionysius um, his doctrine was the presence of God in all things and that the universe is united with God by way of hierarchies and he talked about the hierarchy of, of groups of angelic orders and each of these orders delivering information from God to human beings and, and this type of thing. And the order of society in medieval thought, um, this was an ideal that they had. And it was very, very different from the fractured society we see today. God was considered to be the single source of power 
both in society and in the universe as a whole. And um, you probably know well, you know quite a bit about the ancient Greeks, Richard, the Platonic and the Aristotelian uh, concepts of hierarchy and order were fused in a theory which is called the great chain of being. And this idea was that the universe consists of an immense number of links ranging hierarchically from the lowest being through every possible grade to the highest, most perfect being. So things have changed. And in fact, today, scholars criticize attempts to find order and hierarchy and meaning in all things. They argue uh, for the existence of many differences which exclude possibility of order. So the Assyria Society is bringing back this concept, if you like, based on a, you know, a reflection of the cosmic hierarchy, which is about order and beauty and so on, which I think is a wonderful thing. That's very interesting, Chrissy. Um, what, what I would just say, in case anyone's getting unduly concerned, because as I said earlier, these things were great, but unfortunately they've all been pretty well abused, uh, yeah, and it's certainly in the Middle Ages and medieval times terribly abused in feudal days, and, and, uh, and within the, the Orthodox Church, it has to be said at certain times, very much so. And what I just want to reassure everyone, in the Aetherius Society, yes, we have hierarchical structures, but there is nobody who has absolute power. There is no autocrat. There is no one who can you know, point themselves, and any individual, whoever they are, could be removed uh, by others on any of those given bodies that I've mentioned uh, immediately. So there's a, there's a demo, there are sort of checks and balances because we do know that certainly below the adept stage anyway, uh, people are, are, have frailties. And uh, we want to make sure, of course, that that, and, and there are certain organizations, including some newer religious ones, I gather, that have really gone astray by quite early in their development by the wrong people getting into positions of absolute power. Um, and that certainly couldn't happen in the Aetherius society. Uh, but having said that, it is, a, it is a hierarchical structure, as you rightly say. And I think it's great, isn't it, to look at the, the structures on, uh, certainly in the spiritual hierarchy, for what we know. Now, in the spiritual hierarchy, it's very, very clear and very simple. They do have a particular master that is clearly and absolutely a political head. A, a political head, and it comes back to their quote from Dr. King, the only true democracy is wisdom, that they all want to be their political head. And that's the Lord Babaji. He is far more advanced and much wiser and far more experienced than any other member of the spiritual hierarchy. They all know it. They all want him to be their leader, if you want to use that word, and he is. Um, so it's not imposed upon them. It's their choice, and they feel very honored by it. And in fact, in their hierarchy, they also have um, uh, someone, who, an individual, a master, who is the number two to the Lord Babaji. That's the Lord Maitreya. And they have a governing council and so on. And, they, and, and within that, there are masters who have certain powers. Now, I think it's very interesting to look at the way that this whole, this whole solar system is governed, actually. And for that, I would recommend the transmission interplanetary parliament. And there you have, as I said earlier, again, uh, uh, decisions made by the perfects of Saturn. That the, there are 12 perfects 
of Saturn. Sometimes they're referred to as the ancient ones by the master Aetherius, and the master Aetherius calls them the perfects. They uh, are 12, I understand. Uh, it's quite probable there is a particular group within that 12 who are more evolved than the others. Uh, so even there, you have that, uh, that difference, and it's known, and it will be recognized and appreciated by all of them. Uh, completely appreciated by all of them. Now, it's interesting, when it comes to interplanetary parliament, where you have representatives coming from other planets, uh, you have a, a tribunal which is composed like this. You have the 12 perfects, and that we're told the 13th comes from the sun, and even beyond that sometimes, to initiate them. So even the perfects are initiated. They are initiated by a 13th who comes from the sun and yet from beyond that. That's how the master theorist describes this 13th. And then you have a tribunal or advisory body of 21 masters. And those 21 masters, they have an outer court, as it were, of 49 masters. And they're all cosmic masters and they're all selected. We're told sometimes centuries before they're born upon a particular planet. So just to summarize, you have the 12, perfect. You have a court around them of 21 and an outer court of 49. That totals 82 masters if you took all of those. And all of them are responsible to the masters of the sun because the sun is even higher, the masters of the sun are even higher than the perfects on Saturn. And that's beautifully described. And it wouldn't surprise me, Chrissy, I'm just going to throw this out, if that model wasn't attempted at, as a sort of small reflection um, on this earth on other realms. But that's just a thought I throw out uh, for people to ponder. Uh, I think it'd be a very great idea if that was done, actually. Uh, and I could see how it could be done. Now, the... Um, oh, it might be done, I should say. Um, now, the uh, masters who come from the other planets, not, not Saturn, but the others, uh, they each send seven, the inhabited planets of this solar system, to that uh, body, that interplanetary parliament, those seven themselves belong to a group of 21, so there are 14 around those seven, if you like, um, but it's the seven that are sent. So they're all sent, and they are, one assumes, they attend that body uh, and, and are, are part of that body. Uh, I don't know for sure, but it looks as though they might be part of that 82, or they might join that 82. That isn't uh, clear to me exactly. Either way, uh, you have that very carefully worked out hierarchical structure and that body between them are responsible for the evolution of every being in the solar system. So there is a very intricate um, hierarchical structure which is wanted, appreciated by every master beyond this earth in the solar system uh, and bear in mind that those masters on certain planets are, uh, they're not male or female, they, they are both or even neither, or both and neither uh, at, at a certain level, but that's all in the nine freedoms. And they are the body which is responsible for the evolution of every being uh, in the solar system. And the, even the perfects, let me just 
finish with this, have to go through their initiations. It's beautifully described in the freedoms. I mean, in the eighth freedom, Mars sector six refers to the primary hall of initiation upon the sun. That's where they have, they go. So they have to go. They wish to go. They choose to go. They're required to go. And they receive the secret doctrines, which have nothing, by the way, at all to do with the theosophical secret doctrines. And then they return to their planet as a light of the Supreme Interplanetary Council. And you can see there this concept of their initiation raising them so that they are then ready to return to, to, return to their planet uh, as a light of this Supreme Interplanetary Council. That's the model. That's the, the example uh, which in a very small way, and I've got to take my hat off here to Dr. King, and as one of his main advisors in his latter years involved in setting up the structure of the society, I have never heard of any master, including any cosmic master, uh, at least I don't know of one, who spent so much time and so, took so much trouble uh, in setting up how his organization would be run after his demise compared to Dr. King. He went into it with a tooth comb. One thing we can know is the system we have is the system he wanted. And some of the people in the positions are the position, the people he wanted. That doesn't mean to say, by the way, that a person can't fail, even if they're appointed by a master. It's possible at our level for such a person to fall. Uh, or, or fail. We don't watch that. We hope it won't happen. And we, we're pleased that in a lot of cases it hasn't happened. But we do know what he wanted, and in certain cases, who he wanted. <laughs> I will say that in the latter days of when Dr. King was working out these things, he, he looked at many options. I mean, he looked at the option of having a leader, a, a single leader of the Ethereum Society. And I remember one conversation, um, and we were talking about other organizations on Earth, and pretty well nearly all of them have a single leader. And he, in, in that conversation, he said, yes, and not just on this Earth. But, of course, the problem from his point of view is that even if he thought there was somebody suitable uh, at that time, I'm not saying he did, but even if he did, he has to create a structure that can work through the generations. And you don't really know who's going to be available or suitable at any given period. And I think given that, the structure that we have in the society with the various bodies, they often overlap, but we divided into their various responsibilities, all of whom uh, are choosing in a, in a democratic way within those bodies who should be on them and what positions they should hold. Uh, I think is is a brilliant structure. I think it, it and it and it, it every, everything is as good as the people who are in it and use it, of course, and that's what we have. But I think uh, it's it's the right. It was absolutely right. I actually, you know, it doesn't really matter whether I agree or not, but I did agree completely with the moves that he made, and it was very very clear what he wanted. But as I say, we come back to this model of using initiations, creating a structure and following the example which is followed through the cosmos, actually, of putting in positions those people uh, that, that have the wisdom to carry out. And in our case, you could say the experience and even the knowledge and the ability. All those are factors, but the main factor is have they been through the required 
initiation. Well, thank you for explaining all that. I, just, I suppose we haven't got time. I was going to ask you about the hierarchy in, in our teachings too, the 12 blessings. The nine well, yes, the 12 blessings. I mean, you see it in the nine freedoms, certainly after the first four anyway. It's an ascending evolutionary structure. And in the 12 blessings, certainly from the seventh, uh, it's, it's uh, totally hierarchical till you get to the 12th. And even within the 12th, uh, just to just give one little example before we finish, talking about the absolute it's greater than the world for it contains them greater than the, i'm just abbreviating it greater than the suns for they're the centers of its body greater than the galactic lords they're the centers of preservation greater than the seven lords of creation these are its hearts greater than even the one within the center this is but its brain so you see there in that beautiful description and those aren't the exact words they're much more beautiful than the words i quickly use there you see a hierarchy uh, in absolute hierarchy at the very essence of God itself. Thank you so very much to Richard and Chrissy for a truly wonderful show and so many revelations. And thank you for sharing your wisdom and information. So please, please do um, join with us in literally uh, an hour's time for the uh, online uh, special service for the UN World Peace Day today. Um, and uh, that will be on 12blessings.org. That's 12 in figures. So please do join us. It will be wonderful to spread that message of peace. And obviously, please join us uh, on October the 9th when we honor the giant spacecraft, which we know the third satellite, which will leave orbit of Earth, sadly for us all, having flooded our world with much-needed spiritual energy since September the 3rd. And that special service to mark the last hour will be live-streamed from the Aetherius Temple in London and conducted by Richard Lawrence. So, if you would like to find out more on the facts mentioned in the show and other publications, please visit Aetherius.org. You can connect with Richard through his website, richardlawrence.co.uk, and also with Chrissy through her website, astrologycity.com. We really hope you enjoyed the show today, and thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to your company next month. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.